like five or six species when we went to Tinley and we kind of were like, well, that uh, escalated very quickly. <laughs> this podcast features Caitlin Edenfield from the Reptiles of Eden. Today's topics include their origin story, all about the geckos, snakes, and yes, even mammals they breed, and her perfect reptile show from a vendor's perspective. I've known Caitlin for many years. I've also purchased several pets from the Reptiles of Eden, mostly New Caledonia species, including the Bee Robusta gecko, since we recorded this podcast. I stopped by their booth every month at the Medina Show, and it took some convincing to get her on the live show. Several months. Okay, full disclosure, I had to buy a hedgehog in its enclosure. Nonetheless, I've got to know Caitlin and Reptiles of Eden even better, as I'm sure you will. Roll the music. Welcome to the Reptile Show Reporter Podcast. Uh, today I have Caitlin, Reptiles of Eden. Um, how are you doing, Caitlin? I'm doing good. Great. Excellent. Thanks for coming on. I know that uh, before we had you, agree, I agreed to purchase a, uh, a hedgehog as part of getting you on the live podcast. Thanks for not uh, asking me to buy anything else for this. I really appreciate <laughs> you being here. And uh, so thank you once again. Um, what type of things do you, uh, sell? Uh, we sell all kinds of different species of geckos. Mostly we breed 19 different species of geckos and then two mammals and then hognose snakes. Oh, wow. Hognose snake too. Is that new? Uh, we tried to breed them last year and got one egg and this season we're doing better. So, That's awesome. yes. That's awesome <laughs> yeah. But I mean, you know, you have the New Caledonia geckos. I have a crested from you um, from many years ago, a, a couple of Chihuahuas and a Eurodactyles velarde. Um, those are so. Um, do you have any others of the uh, New Caledonia type? Yeah, the uh, other New Caledonias we have that you don't have is the gargoyle geckos. And then we have a uh, Bavia robusta, which are very tiny they're about the size of your urodactylodes but they're super fast and kind of look like morning geckos yipes so super fast the, uh, yes the velarde aren't very fast they can sit on your finger no. and, and hold on for dear life but super fast is not good because you know the crest is always jumping uh, they're they're fast and they seem to run the chihuahuas seem to be very uh uh reasonable uh, although they do sometimes bite i stuck my finger in the cage one day <laughs> to change out the food and i didn't see where he was at and he actually bit me because I was taking his old food and putting the new food in there, and uh, didn't didn't cause any harm. But boy, it was very surprising to be bitten by a by a Chihuahua gecko. But uh, nonetheless, oh, yeah. okay. So, um, tell me about Reptiles of Eden. How did it start, and um, who who's part of the Reptiles of Eden? Uh, well, it's my husband and I. That's mm -hmm. it. <laughs> so, um, and we started it. We got our first gecko before we got married, and. Uh, then we got a couple more geckos and then we decided to start to breed them. And then we realized, crap, what are we going to do with all these babies? And that's when we decided to actually make a business of it. And I think it took us about a year after we actually started breeding to go to our first expo before anything really happened, where we finally got our LLC and all the licensing and stuff so that we could actually sell them. So all right, so tell me about this. So you guys, 
you guys made a commitment to an animal first. Was that your first commitment before you got married? Or did you know you were going to get married at the time? Or what happened there? Well, I knew I was going to get married. I don't know if he knew that, that we were going to get married yet. yet but, uh, okay. <laughs> but, but yeah, we got, I, uh, I actually, no, we weren't engaged yet, but uh, we got, we were already working at the pet store together. So we went to an expo together and we decided to buy a gecko there. And his parents, I remember, because he was living at his parents' house, weren't really excited about having this gecko at their house at the time. And my parents said I couldn't have it at our house. So he ended up with it until we finally got married and moved in together. So so what kind of gecko was it? It was a crested gecko. A crested gecko. Okay. Yeah. So uh, it all yeah. started off with that. I, my first gecko from you guys was a crested that we got from my uh, middle child. Um and we still have, I'm still feeding the, the gecko, although she's still in college now. So I guess that's the, uh, the scenario. They go to college and leave the reptiles to me and, uh, and I take care of them. But uh, it's always fun. It's always great to have. But uh, she comes home and takes care of him uh, from time to time. So, okay. Um, so how did you get the name Reptiles of Eden? Uh, so our last name's Ed and Field. And uh, Alan jokes that people call us Eden field all the time, like 90% of people do. So we kind of went with that. And then uh, we're both Christians. And so we wanted to try to have some sort of tie in with that so that we came up with instead of like the Garden of Eden, it's the reptiles of Eden. Okay. But then we moved into mammals. Um, so uh, yes, so yeah, like, we got the mammals later but, on. You know, so. But as we say with the show, um, the live and what have you, um, reptile show doesn't mean just just reptiles. It means mammals. It means snakes. It means uh, um, what other kind of things? So you see whole bunch birds. Of birds. You, you see all kinds of stuff. I guess we don't really see much in the way of fish. We see um, salamanders and frogs, which are uh, a different uh, group as well. So uh, so that covers the yeah. whole thing. So that's why we didn't name this the the uh, the all animal show uh, reporter. We named it reptile because everybody knows what a reptile show is. So that's yeah. great. Okay. Excellent. Um, so you started that way. You started with um, some gecko, a, a crested gecko. You started breeding geckos. How did you decide to go to a reptile show? Uh, we had actually the uh, All Ohio Reptile Show. Um, it was back in the more, it was in the other facility that was very small. And so they wouldn't uh, allow extra vendors. And they happened to move over to the uh, state fairground or Franklin County Fairgrounds mm -hmm. and uh, they had room for tables and so uh, we actually there was a lady Bonnie there uh, that uh, we had sold a blue tongue skink to and she said oh I can talk to Shay who's the owner of the show mm -hmm. and I can get you in and so we happened to just she was like yeah I'll tell Shay and then all of a sudden it was the next month we were in the show and then we vended every single month since that wow. day wow. yeah so you vend at the all ohio show you vend at the the one that i've seen you most at the all cleveland show which is still now down in medina since it it changed any other shows that you go to and then we do the sin city show every month too all right is yeah. it, but the, the other the first two are run by the same group the sin city show is that run by them or is that uh outside of there that's uh john chosmer and uh derek burnett 
So okay. two snake breeders. <laughs> okay, there you go. Well, yeah. snakes are what you most commonly see at these most of these shows, but at least all the Ohio shows seem to have a lot of snakes there, a lot of ball yes. pythons. But um, but uh, but you don't carry those. You have geckos. That's a great thing. So um, yes. And now, so you have hedgehogs, and what's the other mammal that you have? Uh, we have lesser tenrix. All right, lesser tenrix. And so why don't you tell us a little bit about how you got into hedgehogs and tenrix? Uh, so it actually started with me getting into sugar gliders to begin mm-hmm. with. Okay. Uh, and I had sugar gliders and I went, I don't want to breed these because 90% of people will probably take care of them incorrectly because you have to cook for them and everything every mm-hmm. single night. They're almost like little monkeys. Mm-hmm. So I love mammals. I had tons of mammals growing up and I wanted some sort of mammal that I could work with. So um, a breeder friend of ours, uh, she did hedgehogs, uh, pedigreed hedgehogs. And so I ended up getting just a pair from her to see if it was, if I liked it, if I liked the animal and stuff. And so I, I got them and I played around with them for about six months. And I went, yeah, these are very uh, low maintenance, not too hard to care for, uh, pretty friendly things. So we got the, so yeah, hedgehogs are uh, nocturnal, pretty much like half your reptile species too. Um, and uh, they are uh, very similar to any of like your uh, small animals, but again, on the nocturnal spectra- spectrum. And then they go into a pretty decent size enclosure they should minimum should be a 24 by 36 we usually put them in a 24 by like 42 or something a little bit bigger than that um and then they should have a wheel to run on um they can run miles each night so they they need that that wheel um we usually do the, there's a Carolina storm wheel, which is the wheel that comes in the setup. Um, and that wheel is very silent. It has a hockey wheel that actually is what turns it instead of the squeaky metal gears and stuff. So it makes it very nice so that you don't hear a little squeaking every five seconds of the animal running. Um, and then those guys, uh, hedgehogs need heat. So they need to be kept around like 75 uh, we usually set their thermostats to 77 just to be safe because around 72 to like 78, 79 is fine. At 80 degrees, they're going to get a little bit warm and kind of do uh, what we call a sploot where they'll kind of lay out trying to get cooler. So, you know, if you ever see your hedgehog completely unballed with its belly on the ground, probably a little too warm. Um, yes, yes. And uh, then they're insectivores, um, but they usually, um, some people will feed them dry uh, cat food. We feed them a diet called hedgehog precision, which has uh, black soldier fly larva as the main ingredient. It's a little bit closer to their normal diet. Some of the uh, cat foods can uh, give them diarrhea and the hedgehog precision doesn't really do that. So that's what we do. It might be a tiny bit more pricey, but I say it's worth it. So. So you sell them with the whole cage and everything included. What yep. did that happen? Um, well, a lot of stuff, specifically hedgehogs, uh, need uh, heat. Mm-hmm. And people don't really understand that. Like they can go into hibernation if it gets too cold. And if they go into hibernation, they don't wake up from it. It's like the end all be all for them. So the biggest thing is we wanted to sell something with a heat source mm-hmm. and thermostat and stuff so that people that maybe were you know, knew what 
rabbits and guinea pigs and stuff like that were and wanted another small animal but didn't really understand the heat aspect got all of the stuff they needed so that they correctly started the um, animal off right and at the reptile shows you can't usually find cages and stuff whereas you know everyone sells exoterras and reptibreezes and all those so you can usually find the things to set up a reptile or, or people have the tank already set up versus the hedgehogs you know they don't really have an enclosure that might fit the hedgehog so we decided to do more of a full setup for those guys that's great no, it was perfect. I got home. I took a nap. My daughter set it up. I put the heating panel in it, and we were good to go. Better than any yeah. other the any other uh, last minute purchase or uh, decision at the show. Um, yes, because uh, I usually end up coming home and figuring something out because I got a lot of cages. But uh, um, that was really easy. So tell us about the Tenrix. What uh, what is a Tenrix, and uh, what does it look like? So. Uh... Tenrix are very similar to, they kind of look like hedgehogs. They're not related to them at all. Mm -hmm. uh, they look they look more like, uh, they have more of like a shrew face. Mm -hmm. uh, so they kind of have a longer nose uh, and they don't have a lot of hair like your hedgehogs. And then they're small. They fit in like the palm of your hand. Mm -hmm. um, and then they are uh, semi-arboreal. So they love to climb and hang out on bridges and hammocks. And they'll climb the side of the cage and climb upside down. Um, but the, the cool thing about them, they're insectivores, so they pretty much um, eat only insects, whereas like your hedgehogs will eat kibble and insects. Um, and then they have more of a, you can go completely bioactive with them. Like our enclosure has bioactive soil with live snake plants and all kinds of vines and stuff for them to go onto. So they are more um, easier for a reptile keeper to kind of understand their habitat because you could put them in a 40 gallon breeder tank and deck it out with all kinds of climbing stuff and they'd be just super happy. Um, and then they have a long lifespan. A lot of your small animals like your hedgehogs are seven to nine years, you know, rats are three to four, rabbits you might get 10 to 15 years out of, but uh, lesser tenrix usually live about 15 years and wow. don't usually wow. have a ton of health issues. Um, and then they're very uh, slow moving, kind of like a sloth, like they kind of just grab onto you and then they just kind of chill there. Uh, and then, uh, yeah, they, oh, and their quills aren't super sharp. Like the hedgehogs quills, it's like, ah, ah, their quills are very kind of fake like, like they look really sharp, but you touch them and they're very soft. They're like a hairbrush. So you don't really, it's, they kind of are a copycat of the hedgehog. They want to look real tough, but their quills aren't nearly as sharp as your hedgehogs are. What kind of snakes did you say that you have now? We got hog Western hognose. Western hognose. Okay. What made you decide to get those? Uh, so I tried to convince Alan for uh, like three years that I wanted some sort of snake. Mm -hmm. uh, and we got uh, Kenyan Sambo is at first. Uh, we just bought like a couple just to see how we liked them. And Alan was like, I don't like these. They have weird faces. So, so we decided not to uh, get into like severely breeding those and stuff. And I showed him hognose multiple. Aren't they? What did you say? Don't they hide all the time? Like, aren't yeah, they and like, they hide all the time. Like we didn't see them at all. They were in the sand and stuff. And we're like, yeah, like we want something that we kind of see and stuff. So uh, the um, Western Hognose, uh, he didn't, again, like the face of them at first. He said, oh, those look weird. 
you know, and I was like, they look cute with their little upturned nose. And he said, no, that's, they look silly. And so uh, we find, I finally showed him one at a show and he held it. And then he was like, oh, these aren't too bad. And I'm like, yeah, see, like I, I told you. And so we got one just as a pet for like, I don't know, we probably had him for over a year before we decided to well, let's try to go. We bought the hog nose breeding book and stuff and went through genetics to see what we would want to breed and stuff like that. And then we finally last year bred the hog nose for the first time. Uh, didn't have great results, but we changed to a different racking system and had a lot better results this year. So hopefully we'll have some uh, hog nose babies. <laughs> so I'll be looking forward to that at, the next, uh, at one of your uh, shows. So that's, that's great. Yeah. So then let's now let's go back and talk about the geckos. So you started with crested geckos, and then how did you get to nineteen different types of geckos? Um, well, I think Alan and I can both agree that we absolutely love geckos. Like, there's not really a gecko that I've seen that I've been like, oh no, I don't want this gecko. Like any any gecko I ever see, I'm like, let's add it to the collection. So. Um, we obviously started with the easier, you know, like any of your new Caledonia stuff is pretty easy to maintain. Uh, you know, does your crested gecko diet and some insects, but, you know, are fairly low maintenance, uh, not very fragile or anything like that. So that's what we started with. We kind of started with your crested gecko and kind of did gargoyles next. And then uh, your urodactylodes and your chihuahuas. Mm-hmm. Um and then it kind of exploded from there. We went to our first Tinley and we were like, look, there's all these different geckos that we've never seen before. And so we talked to, yeah, we talked to a couple different breeders and got, we got uh, that year, we got the Chinese cave geckos. We got our Dura Manilis, uh, Pictus geckos, uh, fat tail gecko. It, I think we got like five or six species when we went to Tinley and we kind of we were like, well, that uh, escalated very quickly. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and then after that, it's kind of just been like um, quite a few of our species are very unique and very hard to find. Like uh, we got a Durham Manilis at the Tinley uh, show and I got a trio uh, and they were just babies and I grew them out and they were all females. And then it took me two years to try to find another breeder that had that gecko mm-hmm. to get a male. And so I finally got my little trio so that I could actually breed them. And then I found some other people who had them to try to diversify and stuff, but it was definitely any of the rarer geckos. It's a lot harder to try to get your pieces and get your males and females and all that stuff together. So. That's great. All right. So um, let's talk about your history with reptile shows. And uh, um, how did you decide that reptile shows are the way to go instead of other routes of selling? Um, at the, well, at that point, Morph Market didn't exist. Mm-hmm. So that was a big deal because it was pretty much uh, Craigslist and Facebook. And, you know, it was kind of not, not as uh, good as... And then at that time, we didn't have a website, uh, so we didn't have any way to sell online. And obviously, we'd been to, we went to that reptile expo probably 10 or 15 times before we actually vended it. Uh, And we just did that one show for 
a full year before we were able to get into the Cleveland show because the Cleveland show, the old venue, it was very hard to get mm-hmm. a table. Mm-hmm. It took us another year to get like a permanent spot where Shay would let us have a show every single month. Gotten into these two and um, what pers- like when did you get your website? Um, well, we got, uh, we got a, I'll say a website in quotations, like a year afterwards, but it was like a non, like you couldn't buy anything off of it. It was more like to house our care sheets and, to, that was pretty much it. Care sheets and like about us type of thing. Um, our website, we finally got, yeah, our website, we finally got going like, um, I think it's been three or four years. Uh, we went with, um, Shopify and ended up designing it and everything. And now it has an actual e-commerce so that you could check out and buy everything. And uh, I can post geckos there and sell them and take different payment methods. And um, so that actually really helps because it makes it a lot easier. And then again, all of our care guides and everything are on there so that if a customer's uh, wondering about care, we can just send them right to the website and say, here's all of the stuff. If you have any questions after reading all of this, you know, just let us know. So, wow, okay. so that's great. The uh, different ways to sell things. And, you know, I personally noticed that um, I sold a lot more online versus um, at the show, but it was mostly people I'd met at the show that made a decision later and purchased them online for me. So it actually ended up being great both ways because I was able to take a limited number to the show and I didn't expose all of my, um, reptiles to the things because I always put my um, my quarantine room after I take them to the to the show because I was you know concerned about getting different things although you take a lot of uh, of reptiles to the show do you worry about having catching in anything I mean I don't know if um, New Caledonia geckos actually um, or is any of your other stuff actually have things you could catch from others at the reptile show do you worry about that stuff or I don't worry too much but we also we make sure that no one puts anything on our table. So like if someone has an animal, we just tell them like, Hey, please don't put that animal like on our physical table. Uh, and then anyone that has to, like if they want to handle a reptile to see if they want to take it home, they're always using hand sanitizer beforehand. And then we actually, at all the shows we've been, we don't have any wild caught vendors around us. So our little Island or whatever doesn't have any wild caughts uh, actually at the, Columbus show we're next to cages and the feeders uh and then uh uh uh, Cleveland we're next to captive bred breeders that we know really well and then um Cincinnati we're next to a wall uh and hog nose breeders so uh again that we know really well in our It's it's nice to have people that um that you've been vending with each month and um you can trust them to to bring good things and and to tell you what's going on and so that Tell us about your goals. What do you plan to do in the future and what, what would be the ideal thing for you? The ideal thing would be for Alan to quit his job. Mm-hmm. That's like pretty much the, the only goal we have right now is mm-hmm. to try to get to the point where he can leave his job, which is pretty much we need to expand our reptiles more, which we're kind of in a growing pain stage where uh, we bought our house in 2021 and so slowly uh, we've been, we've had a ton of house issues. So a lot of money has been stuck into the house instead of reptile stuff. Uh, so um, we slowly are uh, upgrading enclosures 
And so after we upgrade enclosures, we're going to buy a decent amount of extra enclosures and then we can expand out and get some of the species that we want so that we can expand our collection and kind of stabilize some of our breeders and stuff like that. Um, but obviously uh, upgrading cages is very expensive. It's like another $15,000 to finish upgrading all of our stuff. So, so uh, that's, that's our goal for hopefully this year slash next year is to finish upgrading so that we can uh, expand reptile wise because We've pretty much gotten, uh, we've capped out on what I can make hard good wise. I make uh, handmade products on Etsy for reptiles and stuff, and I can't physically make any more products than I'm making right now. So that's kind of capped out. <laughs> Have you found a way to um, get other people to make them for you, or it's just not the same? Um, it, I uh, am a bit of a control freak. Um, so I, I want to make sure the quality is as, you know, the, as perfect as possible. And so, um, even I've had Alan do the bridges and then I'll see them and I'll be like, I'll just redo it myself. So, so until I find someone that I definitely like can do it and it looks consistent every single time, I think it'll just be something that I do that way. I have consistent quality because you get, a couple of bad reviews on Etsy and your store just tanks. So I just, I'm like very hesitant of trying to find someone else to help me with it. Mm -hmm. So uh, all, all of our reptile related products go on our website. Mm -hmm. uh, but then I also sell on Etsy because Etsy is essentially like Amazon for handcrafted items. Mm -hmm. So you don't have to do any marketing or anything. People are already coming to the platform and, uh, typing in and searching like reptile bridges or reptile hides. So I don't have to do any work on that. Whereas the website, I have to bring people into the website. So it's a lot more work to get the people to the website. So at some point in time, I'd love not to do Etsy. Etsy takes about 15 to 20% of my sales, which is a pretty decent amount. Um, but it's a lot, like, like I said, it's a lot easier. I don't have to work at, you know, being on Facebook a hundred percent of the time or Instagram trying to post links and, you know, doing all this stuff that I don't actually enjoy any of that stuff. So, so I think that's probably why I kind of take the easy way out and just let Etsy do it for me so that I don't have to do all that marketing and stuff like that. So you, know, you got to let other people take care of your stuff or you can't expand to a point. So yes. are you at home now taking care of these pets or do you have a, another job that you do uh no i quit my job april of 2021 i we pretty much got to the point where um i was coming home from so i was uh painting houses at the time so i'd paint houses for eight hours and then i'd come home and work in the basement for four or five hours uh and then eat real quick and then go to bed so that was literally every day for almost two years. Um, and we finally got to a breaking point. It was uh, the biggest decision maker was we got approved for a house and we bought a house because uh, I needed a consistent job in order to be able to buy a house, even though, you know, we could afford it and stuff. The bank's like, yeah, no, we're not. You need a job. So, so. <laughs> So yeah, so after we bought the house and we felt like we were very comfortable, that's when I was like, yeah, I can't do this anymore. I'm so exhausted. And uh, so 
handed my two weeks notice in and uh, it was a little terrifying at first. It was a little uh, bit of growing pains and uh, not really realizing how uh, different it would be to just be alone at home every day of the week. Um, but now I'm just fine with it. You know, I'm living the life of luxury. So, so once again, uh, about these reptile shows, do you plan, uh, you, do you go to, you go to three of them? Is that three weekends a month? Is that, are, are they regularly every month? Yeah. So all three of those shows are, um, every month. Mm -hmm. So Columbus and Cleveland are usually the same weekend. Mm -hmm. And then, uh, Cincinnati is a different weekend. And, um, we used to do, uh, Lexington. We used to do Rexpo. Uh, we did a show in, uh, Buffalo a couple of times. Um, we did a show in Pittsburgh, but we pretty much decided to stick with those three shows, uh, a lot of times the those those shows are two hours or less away from us. The other shows are five or six hours where you're needing a hotel because you just can't wake up at two o'clock in the morning and neither of us are morning people. So. Because, you know, I thought it should, be, should start at noon and go to five or six o'clock because then the rest of us can sleep in while you're getting the show ready and then we can go to the show and get stay there later. You know, oh, yeah. no shows in the late afternoon that they, they all go from like nine or 10 to three. And so I know that's so people can get home, but I, I'm like, uh, why can't I stay later? Why can't I go in later? So, yes, um, we have the next three weekends off. So, which is like not very common. It's usually like a, a show and then a week off and then a show and then a week off. So we happen to get three weekends off in a row and I'm like, wow, I don't even know what to do with myself. Like I got these three weekends to like enjoy and maybe I'll pull the weeds in the front yard, you know? Don't so. do that. The neighbors are getting used to that idea and they're expecting to do it every week. Yes, exactly. <laughs> How about the new Caledonia species? Um, what's your favorite? Uh, the Chihuahuas are probably my favorite. Mm -hmm. uh, they're the most personable uh New Caledonia gecko we have. I love the Eurydactylodes, but I wish they were bigger. Like, I know that people are like, oh, they're so small and cute. But I'm like, yeah, but they're like, you know, this big. And like, I feel like I'm going to squish you. And even the babies are, they're, you know, they come out of an egg the size of a Tic Tac. So they're teeny tiny and don't register on a gram scale. So you're like trying to pinch this little gecko and get it into its new habitat. So like I said, I like the Yuris, but, um, they're just a little too small for me. Like I, I like them, but I love the Chihuahuas. They have a good size to them. They're usually not very quick. They kind of hang on to you. Um, they're very personable. Uh, like when I go out to feed, if I start shaking a cricket bag or come anywhere near them, they all come out of their little hollows and look at me and are like, is it time for food? Um, and get really excited and stuff. And, uh, yeah, they, I mean, they thrive very well. And then they're kind of really pretty. You know, they have different colors and speckles on them and have that kind of wild type look to them. So I really like them. I think they're they're definitely my favorite out of all the New Caledonia geckos. So out of all of your geckos that you have, what are your favorite? What is your favorite? Uh, so my favorite genus would be Aduras. Mm -hmm. uh, I own quite a few Aduras, which are uh, Australian northern uh Australian velvet geckos. Um, we own um, Adura manilis, Castanawi, and Kongarai. And then we also 
own N. robusta, which used to be classified as a dura, but no longer is, but I still like kind of think of it as a dura. So darn scientists keep changing the rules and the and the groups and everything and they keep using DNA and all other stuff and we just want to look at them and say that they're the same way or they behave the same way, right? <laughs> oh yeah. Yeah. So uh, that group of geckos, they're just very uh, unique. They, I see them a decent amount. Um, there's a different, um, there's probably like 10 or 11 species of aduras. I'm not exactly sure, but there's a ton of them and they're all really cool, really colorful. And then they're about as handable as your crested geckos. So they're not super fast, but they're not, super slow um but i just love how much variety is there they're super striking like uh the cogger eyes are black and yellow like a bumblebee and uh the castanowies are purple um and then we actually have the amelanistic version of the castanowies which are orange and white and then the uh, manilis are black and have purple and yellow on them. So they just have some very pretty colors and they're a small, medium-sized gecko. They're like 22 grams. So they're just, you know, little guys. And um, we got our first, the Adura manilis was the first one we got. And then after that, we slowly decided we wanted to get more of the genus because we love them so much. That's cool. So if you had to pick out one reptile um, and you could only own one reptile, it, it, assuming that it has to be legal in your state, I guess, what would it be? Uh, I do not know because I, <laughs> I think that's really hard. Because, I guess uh, maybe one genus of reptiles. One genus, <laughs> yes. If I did one genus, and then it would still be probably Aduras because there's so many of them. They're so pretty. Um, and there's enough variety that I feel like I got like, a decent amount of geckos um i think it's hard to just pick favorite like i said like you know there's certain ones that i have that are i like better than the others but i love all of my geckos i i mean there's so many other ones that i still want to get and you know but the adura manilis and the aduras in general i just really like them a lot i think they're really cool geckos and they're very underrated they're very hard to find and um like I said, we, I mean, the cogger eyes that we have, those are Adura cogger eyes. Um, we have two females. So at some point in time, we'll try to find a male and those guys will breed. And, um, but yeah, it's, it's kind of fun also hunting them down and talking to different breeders and finding, finding them and stuff because they're just a little bit more uncommon. Uh, so. It makes a perfect reptile show in the sense of for a vendor, um, what would be the perfect reptile show for you? Um, I think the perfect reptile show, um, one would start later. Uh, I think they run too long too. Like, uh, so obviously we can run a report on square and we have been doing reptile shows since, uh, 2015. So you figure that's about seven years of, uh, research, uh, there on what, when peak times are and pretty much 11 to two is your peak time and the rest of the hours you might do some business but 11 to 2 is when it's the busiest and then you'll have some trickling and the other thing so it's it's hard especially at the end like um uh, some of our shows go to four o'clock mm -hmm. and that last hour or two you're just like 
is it over yet? Can I go home? So uh, start later and run shorter. What else could we do to make a um, make reptile shows more perfect? Probably be more specific with the vendors that you go. Um, I don't have a problem with wild cots. Obviously, you have to bring in wild cots to actually have. You know, we we got wild caught uh, Kenyan Jackson, so you know um, I understand that. It's just uh, I think that the hardest thing is uh, you bring in wild caught vendors that do not care about the animals and they're just trying to make a quick buck. And then they may turn off someone to reptiles for the rest of their life because they start out thinking, oh, great, I'm getting this animal. Um, Alan's uh, coworker actually got a Pac-Man frog, and she was super excited about the Pac-Man frog. And as soon as she brought it over to our table, and as soon as we saw it, we're like, I'm so sorry, but this thing is not going to survive. But she didn't understand that. She, you know, she thought, oh, I made this great purchase. And you're like, that thing is already sick. Like I can, I, I can just tell looking at it that if it makes it, I will be very surprised. And so there are a lot of people that I'm sure that happens to. And obviously it's very sad when you lose an animal. And so if that's your first experience with reptiles, and your first experience is, oh, I got this animal and I let it down and I pretty much, you know, in their probably opinion, they probably failed to, you know, care for it. Um, it's going to turn them off to where they might not ever want to buy a reptile again because they're worried they can't actually provide for it correctly when actually they weren't, one, they probably weren't given the proper knowledge. So um, I do know that obviously you should research the animal before getting it. Um, and all that, but obviously there are going to be impulse buys and, um, and yeah, so if they get a sickly animal, it's very off-putting and it's going to be a lot harder for that person to buy a good quality reptile in the future, uh, cause they've kind of lost faith in themselves and in the industry, uh, because they bought a sickly animal to begin with. Yeah, that's, that's an unfortunate we see everywhere exists. I guess some of the shows are going to no wild cots. I mean, and that, that means the breeders have to find wild cots somewhere else, which is a good thing uh, because we do need to continue our bloodlines and diversify. All right. Any last thoughts today? Nope. I think, uh, I think we covered everything. All right. Well, I very much thank you for being here. Please join our Facebook group, Reptile Show Reporter, pictured here. Thanks.